Yes, sir, faithful. Welcome back to the 49er Way podcast. Another week, and we're not wrapping up the season. We got a lot more football as the 49ers are headed to the NFL playoffs for the second time in three years after an outstanding come from behind victory over the LA Rams. Zach Chevy and I will break that game down and preview. The Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers will go head-to-head in the postseason for the first time since 1994. We will take a look back at that heated rivalry from the 90s as this rivalry is just different. We will break that down, look at the injury report, and much, much more. So keep a lock, stay tuned. It's playoff football, baby. Let's go. And don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis. What is good, Faithful? We are as hyped as ever on this week's episode of the 49er Way Podcast as the 49ers are officially in the postseason for the second time in three years here on the Niner Podcast. Niners will take on the Dallas Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend. We will break that down, but before we even get to that, we got to talk about this absolutely unbelievable win against the LA Rams on Sunday. The Niners won it in overtime, 27-24, and really, what an absolutely incredible season finale, week 18, whatever you want to call it, was absolutely insane. Jay Sohota, Zach Chevy, faithful, man, this is, I mean, all of us are just on cloud nine right now after that victory. Chevy, there are like so many different thoughts, emotions, feelings after that victory. I don't even know where to start. I'm quite speechless. I've tried to compile a bunch of words for this podcast, but we'll see where this takes us. But how are you feeling on this Tuesday? Man, there was so many emotions going on all throughout Sunday. That was one of the most wild season finale weeks of football that we've seen in a while, especially the Niners game. The first half of that Niners game, I was down in the dumps. I was all negative. I didn't think we had a chance of beating the Rams. They were looking so dominant against us. Our offense was looking non-existent and then we came out at the second half a completely different team and dominated and oh my god I was I was just a roller coaster of emotions the entire day first of all you you have all these games that have playoff implications on the line going to overtime the Steelers Ravens game then the Niners Rams game and then finally that Chargers Raiders game I don't know if you could have a better final week of football It, it was just so wild to watch man it was it was an unbelievable week of, of football all around the league. And I mean the the one the one positive is yes, the, the entertainment and you can tell like there was a lot that was meaningful for these guys and you can tell, but you can also tell the exhaust the exhaustion of these guys. Week eighteen, it's an extra game, didn't have a second bye week, they only had one. You could really tell and you could definitely I saw it in Pittsburgh, I saw it in Baltimore. I definitely saw it with the Niners and Rams, and I certainly saw it with the Chargers and Raiders in the Sunday Nighter. A lot of guys were tired as hell, but we ain't here to talk about those other games. We're just here to talk about this this Rams game because, goodness gracious me, this was by far one of the best 49er regular season games I have seen in my life. There's a lot now. There's a lot I can go with. So to say it's the best, that's a lot. There's been a handful of really, really good ones. But this one's up there. What I will say is this was hands down the best all-around team performance, all-around best team performance that I have seen 
by a 49ers team, especially in the Kyle Shanahan era. This was hands down the best win in the Kyle Shanahan era because it wasn't just one guy. Every single player on this team played a part in this game. Like the list goes down from quarterback all the way to kicker. Everybody played a part. The coaching staff was fantastic. The players executed to be down 17 nothing, go on the road like that and play the way that they did. I don't know what the hell happened at halftime, but whatever it was, keep doing it. Keep saying it. Whoever said something, I don't know who it was. That was just an absolutely incredible performance by this team. And we're going to go into all the, the individual performances and all that much more. But the, the Rams, I mean, woo, I mean, my God, these guys just can't find a way to beat us, can they? Yeah, you may want to check yourself before you start celebrating in the end zone as a coach, Sean McVay. Because, <laughs> you know, ever since that, you know, 27-7 and seven got that victory. I, I don't know, man. It was just a little much. And maybe that was the fire that lit the Niners up, you know. Although Kyle Shanahan did say in his uh, post-game uh, conference that he did not see McVay in the end zone during the game. And, you know, that, that stuff you see on TV and stuff. But, oh, boy, was that lighting a fire under 49ers fans and it, I guess it lit a fire under the team too we I wish I was in the locker room for halftime because I want to hear what was said in that locker room that convinced all these guys to come out and play with all their hearts but yeah it was a whole team contribution especially on offense in that second half because nothing was working in that first half except for that last drive where we got those it very very important three points on that last drive of the first half but man looking at the receiving of the offense you know George Kittle who many would suspect to be the number one option the number one guy was really kind of quiet for most of the game and it was the Relying on the other wide receivers, Ayuk had a phenomenal game, six receptions, 107 yards. Debo, Debo's, you know, the best player in the entire world. I think we can all agree on that. He's a quarterback. He's a running back. He's a wide receiver. Whatever you want Debo to play, he will play it and he'll play it well. Jawan Jennings, my boy, had the game of his life. Six receptions, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. Two very important touchdowns. You know, he did almost cost Debo that touchdown there, but he secured it and he got it. And, you know, he did get that last touchdown to get us to overtime. So, man, I, I don't know what to say about this team other than phenomenal performance. The secondary held up when we needed to. The defensive line attacked when we wanted them to. And, man, was it so nice to have Dre Greenlaw back there leading the team in tackles. Oh, it was just a whole team performance. And, I, you know, I could just keep on talking about the highlights of this game. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Jawan Jennings was sensational. And, again, that's one guy. Like, I can't pick out one guy and just be like, he was amazing. That's why we won. It was like, no, every single guy in this game played a significant part. Brandon Ayuk was awesome straight from the jump. He made some huge catches in that first half. Jennings and Debo just took over this game in the second half. But my goodness, I, I do. If I got to signal out anybody, and it's so freaking hard to single out anyone, because I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a lot of different spotlights to a lot of different players throughout this episode, but I got to start out by saying D'Amico Ryans. He, oh, to me, he, to me, is the MVP of this game as a coordinator. I saw a tweet early. I think it was maybe in the first half or, the, or at halftime. And again, there were a ton of premature tweets in this game. 
from Jimmy G, D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan's can't adjust. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you put in Trey Lance now. Uh, Jimmy G, what are you doing? And oh, same old, same old. On and on and on throughout the first half, including myself, you, all of us, all of us were a little worried at times. Yep. It was 17 nothing. I'm looking at the Falcon score and I'm like, well, there it goes. It was a good run. And then, and then near the end of the half, they kind of got things going. They get that field goal. And it's like, okay, we got the ball. If we could do something out of the half, and they did, then that kind of jump started everything. And then, boom, it was, it was over from there. But D'Amico Rines, man, this defense was unbelievable in that second half. Incredible. This offense was one thing to take advantage of those stops, but this defensive front, bro, they. These guys, is like, this is what gives me confidence going into Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys and even beyond that because of the way this defensive front played. Ever since DeForest Buckner got traded, there's been a little bit of questions like, is Armstead the same guy? It's kind of just a one-man show with Bosa. We've seen a little bit here and there. Oh, my goodness. Armstead probably played the best game he's had since in about two years now. He hasn't had a game like that since 2019. And the fact that he went out there and he had the game of his life, kudos to him. Because Eric Armstead's got a lot of, he's he's caught a lot of slack from myself and a ton of other guys saying, we overpaid him, we should have kept Defoe and blah, blah, blah. Armstead, good on you, bro. That was an absolutely outstanding performance. That is why he's got a C on his jersey for games like that. He went out there and balled out. DJ made plays. Abukan made plays. Arden Key, man. This guy's been on fire lately. He was at Kevin Givens, Kentavia Street, who have been with us for the last three, four years, were awesome. And of course, last but not least, my boy, our boy, Nikki Bosa, was awesome. Again, as always, that defensive line, Chris Kosarek, D'Amico Ryans, round of applause for you guys, man. Amazing job getting these guys ready. And really, since week 10, outstanding job. And uh, D'Amico Ryans, I hope and pray that you don't get a head coaching job anytime soon because my, he, he's been awesome this year. Without Robert Sala, a lot against him. The first nine weeks have been very iffy. D'Amico Ryans, kudos to you, brother. Awesome, awesome job. Yeah, you talked about it. This defensive line is just phenomenal. I was going to mention Arden Key before you uh, brought him up, but he's been so phenomenal for this team. He's really uh, allowed Armstead to kind of stay in the middle and not move to the edge, which has really, you know, elevated Armstead's game. You saw that back in 2019 when he was in the middle the entire time with uh, DeForest Buckner. And, you know, keeping him in the middle, that's exactly where he needs to be. He helps a lot with the run game and he is a menace to face in the pass rush. And, you know, that two and a half sacks is just beyond ridiculous in one of the most important games in, you know, the Niners season, if not the most important game up to date. DJ Jones had another phenomenal game, but it's not even just the second or not even just the defensive line, man. It's the linebackers. It's the secondary. You're right. D'Amico Ryans needs a huge shout out. And I do pray that he doesn't get snatched up with this head coach cycle. You know, Mike McDaniels is already getting some contacts. I would wonder if D'Amico gets a call or two as well, because they've both been outstanding for us this season. But yeah, that's secondary. You know, that's been the problem all season long. 
and, and they proved us wrong. They they stood their ground when they needed to stand their ground. Like, listen, you're going up against probably the best wide receiver in the NFL this year in Cooper Cup. You're going up against Odell Beckham Jr., who's such a highlighted name. Van Jefferson, who's been doing great this year for the Rams. And, you know, Emmanuel Mosley coming back from injury. He looked great as our cornerback one. And a huge shout out to the rookie Ambry Thomas, who we said at the beginning of the year probably needed, you know, a bit of time, a bit of seasoning. But he has shown out at the end of the season when he's given his opportunities. And he had the biggest play of the season for the Niners with that game ceiling playoff clinching interception in the end. And man, just a huge shout out to the defense. Yeah, you called out Dre Greenlock coming back. I agree. He had an awesome game. Um, I think he had to knock off the rust a little bit in that first half. Mm-hmm. I think he got called for a camera, the unnecessary roughness, a hit to the head, and knock off a little bit of the rust, but he, he was huge. And if we get Aziz back this week to have him, Fred, and Greenlaw back, oh, my God. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then to your point of the secondary, all year long, it's been the 49ers cornerbacks are liabilities. The Niners corners, what are they going to do? They just, just attack their corners. They don't have a lot of great corners. We had two interceptions in this game. Both our starting corners came up with those big plays. Emmanuel Mosley was awesome in his return. And out of all the guys to come up with the game-winning play, out of all of them, the guy who we've given the most criticism to throughout this season, Ambry Thomas. Throughout the first, like, 10, 10, 12 weeks or so, he's been inactive, hasn't really got a lot of reps. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with Ambry Thomas? He's kind of in Shanahan's doghouse. Then, because of injuries, he gets thrusted into the lineup, struggled a little bit at first, but each and every week, you can tell, Ambry Thomas getting a little bit better. He's getting a little better. Ambry Thomas held his own this weekend because Cooper Cup obviously did his thing, but if you look a majority of the time with Cooper Cup, it was Dante Johnson was kind of on him in the slot most of the time, right? Because he was taking over for K1 Williams, who was inactive yep. in this game. It was Dante Johnson. Ed, Ambry Thomas was on the other side guarding pretty much Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham's stats, two catches for 18 yards. I'd say Ambry Thomas did a pretty decent job. And then the one time they went deep to Odell in overtime, Ambry Thomas seals it and sends us to the playoffs. Ambry Thomas has been awesome. I said it last week when we were talking about who we think is, should be starting at corners. And I said, he should be E-Man and Ambry Thomas. I'm keeping those two on the football field because both of them are playing great, great, great football. Hope both of them stay healthy. That was just absolutely huge. Over to the offense now. This was just an honestly an unbelievable performance by everybody. And I'm going to start with the offensive line. This was absolutely freaking gutless. Yep. The moment that we all heard Trent Williams couldn't go. And honestly, we all know Trent Williams. It would take a crap ton to knock this guy out of a football game. Clearly his elbow was not right. I don't blame him. You An elbow is a very important part of your body when you're playing offensive line. Trent Williams needs that to go in and you know push all those guys out of his way. Trent couldn't go. We're like, oh my God, we're dead. I think we're all thinking, great, we already have a quarterback with nine fingers. We don't. We already are without McGlinchey for half the year. Compton's actually done a decent job. And now we're like, oh my God, Jalen Moore, he's a rookie. He's been kind of in and out. Oh my God, whatever. Then, like 10 minutes before kickoff, we find out Colton McKivitz is starting a life tackle. Oh, my God. That's even worse. Colton McKivitz hasn't played all year. Colton McKivitz has not, has hardly done anything. He's hardly played a snap this year. I forgot he was even on the team. And, in fact, 
This was his first time playing tackle since college in West Virginia. Last year, him and Tom Compton were playing guards. If you were to tell me last year in November, December that, hey, next year we're going to win a game with our season on the line, on the road, at the Los Angeles Rams, with Colton McKivitz and Tom Compton as your tackles, I would have been like, <laughs> boy, what you smoking right now? I'm like... <laughs> There is no, there is no way in hell we're winning a must-win game with Colton McKivitz and Tom Compton uh, as my tackles. I'm sorry, I should take that back. Colton McKivitz and Tom Compton, y'all need a raise. That was a heck of a job. First of all, Tom Compton, I've talked a ton of smack about this guy in the past, and I want to just apologize to him. And I, hey, he's got a tough task. That Dallas def- defensive front's no joke. They got a lot of ballers, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Colton McKivitz to come in this game against Von Miller and Aaron Donald and all these bad boys up front to come in there and not play a snap all year long and pretty much had one bad play all actually two bad plays all game. He gave up one sack. I honestly forgot Von Miller was even in this game until that sack with like two minutes yep. left in the game. Colton McKivitz held up and then he had one false start late in that game. Colton McKivitz, honestly. I give you all the credit in the goddamn world. That was freaking awesome. To come in there and step up when we needed him most, honestly, I'm never talking shit about him or Compton again. That was gutless what they did. And to play that way with two, and I'm going to get, trust me, I've been waiting to talk about Garoppolo, and we'll get to him in a second. But I got to give a crap ton of credit to that offensive line. McKivitz and Compton, good on you, boys. That was an excellent, excellent performance. Yeah, I got to say that offensive line shocked the hell out of me, especially when I heard that McKivitz was starting. Like you said, I thought it was all, it was going to be Jalen Moore all the way up until the snap. And then McKivitz gets the start. You know, Shanahan said that the, the plan going in was to rotate McKivitz and Moore. But because, you know, at early on, we didn't get many reps with the offense. And, you know, later in the game, McKivitz was just rolling. He's like, you know, I'm going to keep McKivitz in there. And he did a heck of a job replacing probably the most irreplaceable player on our team, Trent Williams, and really didn't give up that many bad plays, which is exactly what you need out of your left tackle. The more you don't notice your left tackle, the better the left tackle is. And he really saved us here because Jimmy G's not playing 100%. You know, we've said that all week long. We He's clearly injured that he has an injury that takes four to six weeks to get healthy and he's out there balling like a man and he's not able to ball if it if he isn't protected and that offensive line really stepped up Sunday and yeah let's talk about this quarterback you know Jimmy G is the Niners quarterback he is the guy you know I can't even lie and say I didn't say at one point you got to put Trey in in that first half because I did as well offense didn't look yeah we all did man like you look at that first first half that other than that last drive, Jimmy G didn't play great. The entire offense didn't play great. And, you know, you, you're worried there. You're like, we need a win. We need, you know, maybe to spice it up, put Trey in. And, and you know what? I'm so happy they didn't because Jimmy G's our quarterback, man. He's our quarterback for now. He probably won't be our quarterback for the future. But he stepped up, man. And, and you know, it, it's not about that touchdown or, you know, the two interceptions that he has. Like, like it, it's all about the leadership that he has. That drive where where we basically ran the ball the entire time on, on that last play, it, it was all Jimmy G, man. 
Like, like Jimmy G's running that offense to, protect, to perfection. He's reading the defense. He knows exactly what's going on, and, and he's he's leading it out there. You know, big shout out to him, and, and he is the savior of the 49ers season, and he deserves to start this week. He deserves to start whatever week until we stop playing this season because Jimmy G is our quarterback, man, and he's going to lead us to success. Whew. Oh, man. I've been waiting, Chevy. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> I've been waiting for this day to come. And for all I care, some people are still going to talk shit about Jimmy Garoppolo. They still are. I've been, I, I have been sticking by this guy and defending his ass. And I'm sure everybody on this Niners football team, Juszczyk, Kittle, Debo, Bosa, all of them, man, they're all Jimmy's boys. They all back him up and they're like, I don't get it. This was literally the most savage, gutless, gritty performance I have ever seen, at least by a 49er. I've seen some incredible before. Don't forget, there was also some bad mans out there like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brady. Trust me, I've seen some unbelievable performances. And hey, we might very well have to beat those guys to get to where we want to go. Yep. So Garoppolo, having said that, Garoppolo can go toe-to-toe with them, no problem. I'm not, I, I'm not, I never doubted that. But this with a thumb injury, and in that first half, like you just mentioned, that one interception that he threw was awful. I was like, obviously, he got clocked in the processes of that, but I was like, oh my God, this just, this does not look good. Jimmy had some throws look good, some did not look good at all. And I was like, our offense had like, I think we had like negative eight total yards at one point. I was like, where is this going? I'm like, we need a healthy Trey Lance in there. But this second half, my, oh my God. This, this was such a freaking impressive performance to go on the road with a broken thumb, with both tackles missing, being down 17-0 against a defense with Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald. Jimmy Garoppolo looked these guys in the eyes and basically was like, yeah, I got Debo Samuel, I got George Kittle, I got Juwan Jennings and Brandon Ayuk, and we're just going to come, we're just going to drive the ball down the football field, and we're going to beat you. We're, we're down 17-0, I don't care. We're going to drive down the field, and we're just going to book, and we're just gonna beat you, and, it, and it's not going to matter. Jimmy Garoppolo is a freaking savage for this performance. That was the, honestly the most, that last drive was a, honestly, it, it was just a work of arts. Like, that was a masterpiece. That one throw, honestly, that one throw to Debo Samuel with like 30 whatever seconds it was to, to set us up inside the 20, yep. I think that was one of, if not the best throw Jimmy Garoppolo has made as a 49er, probably in his career, considering he only had like three starts with the Patriots. That, to me, was Jimmy Garoppolo's throw of his career. Like, that's the one that I will look back at one day when Garoppolo's gone and wherever he goes, I wish him nothing but the best. That's the game and that's the throw I'm going to look at and be like, that was the clutchest damn throw I have ever seen out of this guy. But hey, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't clutch. Jimmy Garoppolo can't win a game with his arm, right, Chevy? J- Jimmy Garoppolo can't do any of this. Jimmy Garoppolo ca- can't do any of this. Shut up. I'm done. I'm done with it, man. I don't even care if we lose to Dallas on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo threw two interceptions, and guess what, guys? We won. We won the football game. And I'm going to finish my rant by saying this. This whole game proves my points. Everyone talks about the Super Bowl, right, against the Chiefs. The Niners blew the 10-point lead. Garoppolo didn't hit Emmanuel Sanders. Look, I have stuck by my, by my thought 
for a year and a half now, almost two years now. The 49ers defense gave up 21 points to the Kansas City Chiefs. Jimmy Garoppolo missed one throw. Whose fault is it getting? It's a team game. This Niners game against the Rams, we do not win this game without our defense. Getting stop after stop after stop after stop. And then our offense, they have to go out and put the pieces together. Jimmy made play after play after play after play. It's a team game, and you can't blame anybody, and yet everyone just seemed to blame Garoppolo. Our defense, who was so good with DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, Richard Sherman, Fred Warner, and on and on and on, gave up 21 points to the Kansas City Chiefs, and we lost the Super Bowl because of it. We beat the Rams with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Von Miller, Aaron Donald. You get the just here. We won this football game because it's a team game. It takes 53 guys to win a football game. Get your shit together. Jimmy Garoppolo deserves his damn respect. I am done. Mike is dropped. And let's go on a run here. Let's make this, let, let's make this even better. I can't wait. Yeah, you know, Jimmy G deserves all the respect he can get. But it wasn't just Jimmy G that helped this entire team win. You know, the one thing I said going into the week last year, last week, is, you know, we need to have the run game. That's how our offense flows. That's how everything goes. You run that run game, you run play action, and that's how our offense looks and goes. And a huge shout out to Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel because oh, them two out of the backfield, like, I don't know what more you can say. You know, Elijah Mitchell, his north-south speed, I, I've said it the last couple of weeks, it's elite, man. And, and he is the reason why, you know, you can set up those play action plays because he finds those holes he gets you those four or five yards consistently which is exactly what you need out of your running back get you to that third and short and you know jimmy g can convert that that's the name of jimmy g's game and debo samuel that rushing touchdown was just unreal to watch debo samuel is the best like weapon i've seen in niners history man like that throw First of all, in order to get that throw, you have to do two things. The first thing is you got to fake the run. And Debo Samuel looked like he was going to run on that play. He faked out the entire Rams defense. And Juwan Jennings was wide open, and he made that beautiful throw. And not only did he make that beautiful throw, he was under pressure. He was getting hit when he released the ball. And, man, I, I just don't know what more I can say about Debo Samuel. He's the ultimate weapon, and he – that we needed this entire season and he's the Swiss Army knife he's the guy that you know when we were like oh look at Jalen Hurd he's that Swiss Army knife that uh the Niners needed and you know he never was able to make it Debo Samuels our Swiss Army knife now looking at the wide receivers again we went into the season saying who's going to be that wide receiver three we need that wide receiver three Kendrick Bourne's gone we need a guy to step up and it's been Jawan Jennings man you know, at the start of the year, he's battling some injuries and didn't get many reps. And, you know, now that he's getting the reps, he is a legit wide receiver three. And he is a legit weapon to look out for on offense. When you're going through your progressions that Jimmy G goes through, if Debo's not open, Ayuk's not open, Kittle's not open, Jennings is there wide open, ready to get the ball. Because there's just so many guys to look out for now on this Niners offense. You got to cover all of them. And if you don't, we're going to burn you. And that's exactly what happened. You you see the stats. It, it was pretty spread out, the ball and the yardage that, that game. So, you know, it's just this offense as a whole is really coming together. And, and it's looking unstoppable. And you get Trent Williams back, and, and I don't know how you can stop this team, man. Game against the Cowboys next week. But, yeah, I, I just had to mention the offensive weapons because they did a phenomenal job. 
I was just about to say, I, we didn't even get to Debo Samuel yet. Debo Samuel is the Rams killer. Like, the Rams hate his guts. <laughs> like, the, Ra- the Rams at this point, the Rams can't stand us at all. Like, they literally cannot stand us one freaking bit. And I don't blame them. Of course, if you, if you try to beat a team six times and you've lost three years in a row, I, don't, I, I really don't blame you for feeling that way. But Debo, Sa- Debo Samuel just makes their life miserable, and I love it. Like, Debo Samuel, the Rams' defense, they thought they had a plan in place. You know what I'm saying? It's like they, they psychologically thought they were getting stops. Debo wasn't getting anywhere. Jalen Ramsey had that one tackle, which for some reason he thought he hit Debo Samuel, but really Debo hit him. And then Jalen Ramsey got up and was like, oh, yeah, look at me. I just tired. It's like, dude, you, you literally got clocked. And, you, like, and then you got up and started talking smack to Debo. Like, chill out, buddy. Debo is is just an an absolute beast. And l- like you put it, he is built for this offense. Th- that's what the minute Kyle Shanahan drafted him, he's like, I just got my toy that I'm going to wreck teams with because Debo can do everything. He's a receiver. He's a running back. He's a quarterback. Debo can do whatever you want. He he does whatever he wants. Honestly, Debo is that good, and he's progressing to that level. And there were a lot of times where I think, obviously, he was still young. He had his rookie year. You know, he had a very good rookie year. And then he got injured a lot of last year. And we're like, okay, I think Debo might be a wide receiver too. Uh, you know, like, I think we still think we need a wide receiver one. Nah, man. Debo is wide receiver one. And Ayuk is wide receiver two. And JJ is wide receiver three. These guys are, and mind you, we still have George Kittle. This. Yes, sir. Offense is is insane right now. They're just hitting on all cylinders. And Elijah Mitchell, I, I'm not even going to get into him. I said my praise last week. Each and every week, I am more and more and more impressed. Some of the runs Elijah Mitchell had on Sunday was just like, I, I'm just in awe with this kid. He is so freaking good. Every single week, I'm just impressed with Elijah Mitchell and what he does. It's just simply incredible. And mind you, there is one man that we we rather we talked a lot about the defense. We've talked about the offense. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I know where this is going. Robbie, Robbie Gold. This guy, see, this is what I'm talking about where this game took literally everybody. Wish gets clocked. I think it was in the first half or so. Gets clocked on a special teams punt. Left the game with a concussion. We're like, oh, oh, God. Who the hell is going to punt the football? Aikman thought Juice was going to be the punter. Juice ended up being the holder. Robbie Gold was 5 for 5 on field goals and came up with some super freaking clutch punts on the day. Robbie, I know there's been some games this year where we've been like, I don't know, he's getting a little up there in age. He's missed some key kicks. He missed the Bengals kick. But, man, was he clutch as ever on this day to come up with those punts, not even field goals, punts to play field position in this game. Robbie, that was just awesome. What he was able to do showed why he's the veteran that he is. And that was just an incredible performance by him to step up in that way in a punter, which prior to Sunday, he has not attempted a punt since 2000. I think it was 2007. If I'm correct, it was something around there in the early 2000s with the bears Robbie Gold was just honest, awesome, absolutely awesome. This game was just awesome. 
Yeah, you know, Robbie Gold, his two punts were such key moments, too. The first punt, he got it inside the 20. He's He averaged 45 yards per punt, which is just insane for a kicker who hasn't punted in however long it has been to average that much on a punt. And then the second punt, came, we, we were backed up near our own uh, end zone. And, and, you know, if he doesn't get that punt off, if that punt's not a beautiful punt that, you know, pins them a bit back, that that's easy field position, easy field goal. You're giving up the game right there. So yeah, huge shout out to Robbie Gold. He really saved us, uh, especially when Wish got down. I had no idea what was going to happen in the punting game. I already thought the game was over by then in that first half when it was seventeen nothing, and I was like, oh, we just lost our punter. Nothing, nothing good's going for this game. But you know what? The entire team stepped up: special teams, offense, defense. It was just a perfect game and a perfect ending to the season. You know, the Niners, I think, have been the best team in the league this season since week eight we are eight and three eight and three that's the best record in the league man like i just don't know how you can get much better than this team i wouldn't want to face this team in the playoffs you know the cowboys are a great team don't get me wrong but the niners have the momentum the niners have the most momentum probably out of all of these playoff teams and you know i just wouldn't want to face them man if if i'm the cowboys if i'm any team i'm scared i'm scared of this niners team they're a team that I'm worried about. Oh, absolutely. I think Dallas Dallas definitely has got the pressure on them going into this game. And, and let's transition into this game. So, obviously, with the Niners' victory, they are now the sixth seed in the NFC playoffs. They finished the season 10-7. and seven. They will take on the three-seeded Dallas Cowboys, who finished 12-5 and five on the season. Before we get into that game, I, I do want to take a minute and talk about the Rams for a second. Because, uh, honestly... Look, I'll be honest here. Like, I, I do want to talk about this team because Cooper Cup, I got to give my, my my praise to. This guy's insane. What he did this year was just absolutely spectacular. But my thing with the Rams is take away Cooper Cup. I don't really know who to talk about on this team. Like, just from watching. Like, I know Tyler Higby had, had two of the three touchdowns. But when I think about the offense... Cooper Cup was the only guy making plays. The Niners did an awesome job stopping the run. Obviously, no Sony Michelle has been the bell cow for them. And then their defense, it's funny. Their defense, it gets to a point where when someone kind of just looks them in their soul and just by being more physical and just knocks them out, it's almost like the Rams kind of look at each other and they're like, well, what the hell are we supposed to do now? Like they almost look shell-shocked. That's a fundamental problem that the Rams have going forward. And I know it was even in week 10 when they played. It's like the night Jimmy, Jimmy G actually said this post game. He said it almost feel like that opening drive just took the soul away from them. I kind of felt that way even in this game too. And it got to a point where every time the camera showed the Rams bench, they just seemed flustered and frustrated. And like, we can't stop it. That is something the Niners know that they're playing with fire and they don't care. The Niners are like, you you guys still can't beat us and we're just going to do it to you again. And then they did it again. That's my thing with the Rams. And I don't know, this was came in a really bad time. This is one of those games that it's momentum, right? The Rams knew they were in no matter what. The Niners were playing for their season. When you come off a game like that, going into the playoffs with momentum, like you just said, Nobody wants to play the 49ers. That was such a complete game. And to come from behind the way that they did, nobody wants to play a team like that. The Rams, on the other hand, 
are just shell-shocked. And now they got to play a team that knows them very, very well. You never want to play a divisional opponent in the playoffs. Now the Rams have to do that as they host the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Rams, though. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of thinking the same thing. The one thing the Rams are really missing on offense is Robert Woods. You know, his injury was massive. You know, they, they try and fill the hole with OBJ, but just OBJ hasn't been the same player, you know, ever since his Cleveland days. He, he, he's looked all right. He, he's good here and there. You can rely on him when, he, when you need to. But OBJ isn't that wide receiver, too, that you need right now. And, and they, they are really missing that Robert Woods on that offense. You know, another thing that I think is going to really help is that they're getting Cam Akers back. And Cam Akers is a dynamic running back who, you know, was injured all year, I'm pretty sure, with a ruptured Achilles. Uh, you know, coming back, that's a tough thing to do to come back. But now that he's healthy, he's got a little bit of game reps, you know, in this game. You know, going into next week against the Cardinals, I expect them to uh, put him in there a bit more, get him going. Because if Cam Akers is going, that's how they get their game going. Once you establish the run, it's kind of like the Niners. Once they're establishing the run with Akers and Michelle, that's when you get the play-action plays, you know, that, that long play to Van Jefferson, to OBJ. Because those are your long guys. Cooper Cup's your slot guy. Cooper Cup is the best wide receiver in the league right now, hands no down. No doubt. He's honestly, he's honestly one of my uh, MVP picks. You know, I, I think he could win the MVP with the season that he's having. You know, and, and he's just been amazing. But you're right. If you take Cooper Cup out of that offense, it's a bit shaky. Matthew Stafford has not looked great the past three weeks. I'm pretty sure he's had two interceptions or more in the past three weeks against the Vikings, against us, and I forget who they played the week before, but or, uh, it was the Ravens, I believe, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, so so I'm not I'm not so sold on Matthew Stafford. He, he's been selling a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see them play against the Cardinals because the Cardinals are another team that haven't looked too impressive the last uh, five weeks of the regular season. You know, that loss to the Lions was so shocking. And losing De- DeAndre Hopkins – is it's tough, man. It's really tough. I, I just don't know uh, how the Cardinals are going to do. I don't know how Kyler Murray's going to do, but I'm very excited to see that NFC West matchup, that NFC West game. You know, as a Niners fan, I'm excited to see one team win. I'm excited to see one team lose. And I really couldn't care less which is which, but it's going to be a fun game to watch in general. No doubt. I don't, I don't think I've ever been more excited for an NFC West showdown in the playoffs without the Niners playing in it than I am for this Rams-Cardinals game because obviously somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going home. and uh, But I think this kind of comes down to who I don't like more, and that's the Rams. So I'm kind of rooting for the Cardinals, even though I think... But again, what kind of makes this game so intriguing is exactly to your point, this is put up or shut up for Matthew Stafford. Right, all season long, mm-hmm. and he hasn't showed up in primetime games or big games where the lights are big. Stafford hasn't showed up, but now, now, like you can't make a mistake. You lose, you're done. This is huge for Matthew Stafford. And then Kyler makes his playoff debut. Kingsbury makes his debut, right? There's a lot of pressure on both sides. I think way more on the Rams, like significantly more. The Cardinals, it's like I think it's it's only bad because of their December collapse. You know what I'm saying? I th- yep. because of their de- 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 because of their December collapse, it's like okay, the Cardinals should have been the one seed, right? So there's a little bit of pressure on them. Like, okay, are you going to show that you were that good because they were like ten and one at one point in the season? But the Rams, we all know they they put everything, they put all their eggs in one basket to win the Super Bowl. This is a big game there. I'm looking at that one. That should be a good one there. The Eagles are the seven seed. They'll go to Tampa as the two seven matchup. That's Sunday. 
at 1 o'clock Eastern time. The Cardinals-Rams game will be on Monday Night Football on ESPN at 8 o'clock, which brings us to our game, Niners-Cowboys, Sunday, 4.30 on CBS, Nance and Romo. This is, this is what I like, man. It's about time. Back-to-back weeks with the number one crews. We had Buck and Aikman last week, and now we got Nance and Romo this week. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. But, Chevy, when you look at this matchup with the Dallas Cowboys, what are kind of your initial thoughts looking into this game? Do you love it? Do you hate it? What are some things you're kind of worried about in this game or or think that the Niners have the upper hand in? Yeah, no, I'm very excited for this matchup, especially for the Niners. You know, it reminds us of the 90s rivalry between the Niners and the Cowboys, you know, going back there. And this team, they got big weapons on both sides. You know, Dak is having a great comeback season. He's a comeback player of the year candidate, just like Bosa. And, you know, I think he's going to have a great game. Uh, and, and you look at the, all of their weapons are crazy. Uh, in the backfield, they don't have just one weapon. It's not Zeke is that back, that, that uh, you know, backfield guy who's just going to run the ball all the time. They also got Tony Pollard, and they use them both incredibly well. They mix them both well. They, they keep them both fresh. And, and, you know, that's something to worry about on, on offense. And, and then they also got these insane weapons, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, you know, Michael Gallup's out. And I don't think he's going to be coming back for this game, which is a, a big bonus. But but uh, Cedric Wilson, I'm pretty sure for them, ha- has also been producing well as their wide receiver three. So, so Dak Prescott's got the weapons and the offense is kind of scary for the Cowboys. But when you look at the defense, the name of their defense is big plays. You know, you got Trayvon Diggs, who has the most interceptions uh, this year with 11 interceptions, which is a ridiculous amount of interceptions. But the thing about that is he also has uh, 1K yards that he's let up. That's a lot of yards, man. That's an enormous amount of yards. So, yes, when you look at him, you're like, oh, there could be an interception on every play that he is targeted. But there could also be a big play for that wide receiver every time he's targeted. And, and that's something that I'm excited to see. So, so as long as you can contain the turnovers on offense, if Jimmy G is able to not turn over the ball or limit his turnovers, then this is a game that we should win. And, and that's exactly what the Cowboys are going to try to do. They're, they're a big turnover play. And, and another guy that you got to work out, the obvious defensive rookie of the year, and, you know, a depoy candidate, Micah Parsons. He's had a phenomenal season and a phenomenal coming out party for the Cowboys. And he's going to be a big part of their defense for years to come. So, so he's another person, that, especially on that inside, you got to be aware of him because he, he's not just that defensive end that rushes the quarterback. He's also that linebacker. So I would always try and point out where he is on the defense on every play because he's that big guy who's going to make the plays for them. You know, so I don't know. Looking at their offense, looking at their defense, they got big play guys. That's the name of their game. And if they don't make the big plays, then they're not anything. You look, You look at their matchup, they have been – insane against their own division uh you know the entire year they've blown up their entire division but against the rest of the teams they're only six and five and you know their big their big game wins you know one came early in the season and one came against the patriots but other than that you know they've struggled against uh other teams big teams so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see and you know i do think the niners have a good chance against the cowboys as long as they don't you know turn over the ball much Oh, absolutely. I think I totally feel that when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they're explosive right on offense and defense. They rely heavily, like you said, on explosive plays. Dak likes to 
you know, toss around the rock. We all know they got some crazy receivers. Obviously, Michael Gallup won't be in this game. But Cedric Wilson, like you mentioned, is turning on. Dalton Schultz has been a force at tight end. And then you got CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper out wide. And then you got Zeke and Pollard um, in the backfield. But Dak Prescott's one of my favorite players in the league. And I feel like if you give him time, it's, you know, if you give him time, it's over. Like, Dak's got a hell of an arm. But, which is what I'm saying, this defensive front, this is going to be a hell of a matchup, man. Dallas's old line may not be what it used to be, but they're still a great offensive line with Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins. This is a good offensive line, and I'm really excited to see our Niners D front with Armstead and Bosa and, and all those guys up front go up against this Cowboys old line. I think it's going to be a big one. And then, honestly, vice versa on the other side, too. I, I hope Trent Williams is back for this game and to see him go up against Micah Parsons. Woo! That's a hell of a matchup right there. I, I'm really looking at that. I agree with you. If we don't turn the ball over, we're in good shape. It's going to be whoever wins a turnover battle, but time of possession, I think, is going to be huge in this game as well. If you can control clock and keep either offense off the right, if the Cowboys control clock, I think they got a good shot. And if we do what we do best and we run the football with Mitchell and Debo and, and hasty, even, you know, that's another guy who made some big plays yep. on Sunday. John Michael hasty was out there making plays too. came up with some big ones there. It doesn't matter who we have in the backfield. If we can, if we can control clock, we should be fine in this game. You keep Dak Prescott off the football field and CD lamb and all those guys. I, I like our chances, but don't you know, don't get it twisted. Dallas's defense has been great this year, right? Tr- Trayvon Diggs is like you said, an, an interception waiting to happen. Micah Parsons has been unbelievable. Van Der Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory—they have a ton of studs on defense. And like we, you know, we we actually haven't brought it up in this episode yet as we wrap this up in a bit. But Dan Quinn's on the other side, a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, and him and Kyle Shanahan know each other very, very well as they were together in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl. Dan Quinn was the head coach, and Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. They know each other very, very well. So that is something to keep an eye on there. So I'm, I'm really excited for this matchup. I, Mike McCarthy's b- back in the playoffs for the first time in a while. See how, how he goes against Shanahan. This is, there's a lot of great matchups in this one, but I really do think all the pressure is on the Dallas Cowboys because, well, they're the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> there's, always, there's always pressure on them when it comes to playoff time. But also because... This, and I think a lot of people can agree, this is one of the best Cowboys teams we've seen in a while. And that's why there is that added pressure there of, well, this is this. They got a really good shot to go all the way this year. Can the Dallas Cowboys get there? So there's a lot of pressure. I think that I'm expecting this game to be a really good game on both sides. I can't wait for this one. I think it might be the best week. I think it might be the best game of the weekend. It's it's going to be a good one. But like you mentioned, I think winning the turnover battle is huge and winning time of possession it's going to be big in this one, but I, I cannot wait for this game. And I know this rivalry runs really deep for some people. I know for us, we were probably very, very young or if not, not even alive at the point when these two teams are going at it, when they played three straight NFC championship games from 1992 to 94, that was the last time the 49ers won a Super Bowl was 1994. So hopefully we get some of the same luck there, but I'm expecting a great game here and, and we'll see who goes down the stretch here. But I, I will say this, man. The faithful showed out on Sunday, man. They, yep. like, it was unbelievable. On, like, a third and seven, 
and you got Matthew Stafford at quarterback, and this place is just rocking. Like, in what on what planet does that happen for the home team? Like, never. That shouldn't happen. And the funniest part was how Sean McVay was like, oh, we were caught off guard. <laughs> what, what do you mean you, you were caught off guard? Every time we go to L.A., well, you, you were caught off guard because last year, I'm sorry, nobody was in the stands. So maybe it was a little bit of a <laughs> it was a bit of a shocker to him because it's been a while since we've gone to the Rams when there's actually been fans in the stadium. Because last time we went to L.A. and there was fans in the stadium was week six of 2019. It was the same thing. There were plenty of Niner fans everywhere. But hey, Sean McVay goes here and says, oh, we, we were caught off guard. Yeah, okay. Excuses, excuses, buddy. And like you mentioned, don't ever celebrate like that in the end zone, man. The tweets were hilarious. Honestly, clowning this guy. This guy was just jumping up and down in the end zone. The ref had to, like, escort him back to the bench. Like, man, please, man, just j- j- just stop stop embarrassing yourself, please. Like, when you lose to a team six times in a row, you should not be jumping up and down when you're up 17 in the end zone. I'm just saying. But anyways, that aside, Niners-Cowboys Sunday, this should be a great game, hell of a game. I mean, if if everything goes, when I would assume Tampa beats Philly. So in that, if that scenario doesn't, the Niners knock hey, off Dallas. Hey, you never know what happens in the playoffs. See, well, we're going to face the winner of Tampa-Philly, so... So you don't know that Philly's gonna win, but yes, Tampa. All, oh, sorry, saying, you don't know that Tampa's gonna win, but assuming we'll that see. you never know. I'm ex- for sure. Listen, for sure, it's wild card weekend. There's gonna be an upset on this on this yep. weekend. Like I, it really could. And honestly, I'm not even gonna go ahead and say Dallas beating us is definitely not an upset. Both teams are very very good. Like I would say it's more yeah. evenly matched than not. But I, I was Cardinals beating the Rams. I could see that happening. Eagles beating the Bucks. A little far-fetched, but I can see the Eagles giving the Bucks a run for their money. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I think J- Jalen Hurts can ball. Like, this is a good team. And I know there's not as many guys left from the Doug Peterson years of the last year and the year before, but Fletcher Cox is still there. Jason Kelsey's still there. Those are guys that have a ring on their finger. They've been here before. So the Eagles are very young, but they have some experience left from that Super Bowl team. They won't go. They won't go away lightly. It's like it's it, again. It's the playoffs. I don't like every game is going to be a fight. And I know a lot of people will be talking about the Steelers and the AFC barely getting in, and the Chargers were the more fun team to watch. And no doubt they are. The Steelers' offense is boring as hell. But you can never, ever, ever count out Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in all of football, and Ben Roethlisberger. I know he's got pretty much nothing left in the tank at this point. I don't even know how. The fact that he's starting a playoff game is just great for the storyline, honestly. But the Steelers are still going to be tough against Kansas City. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be like yep. Week 16 where they got blown, where they got the doors blown off by 30 points. So exactly to your point, anything can happen. But I was hypothetically saying what most likely would happen, Tampa wins their game, the Niners win, they would then play Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. If not, there is a chance that they could be playing these Rams once again. Maybe, just maybe. But it's all about the Dallas Cowboys first, man. We'll see what they could do in Jerry World this weekend. I'm excited. It's the playoffs. Like, this this does not happen very often. The Niners have only made the play. This is the fifth time in my lifetime. So I'm excited for this no matter what happens here. I'm just glad we made it. I'm expecting them to come out. We're healthy. Hope Trent Williams, K1 Williams, and Aziz Alshire are back on Sunday. All three missed uh, Sunday's game against the Rams. I hope all three are back and ready to play this weekend. Chevy, final thoughts. 
Yeah, before we wrap up quickly, I still want to mention some of the, you know, it, it's the end of the regular season. So what happens, a lot of coaches and GMs get fired and then you hear names circling throughout and, and some names that the Niners have that are circling throughout the news. Adam Peters is one of the big ones, our assistant GM. He has been great in bringing in talent. He's one of the guys who is a really big on Debo Samuel in the draft year. You know, you've seen all of these great Niners talents that we steal in the late rounds. Elijah Mitchell, George Kittle, just to name Dre Greenlaw, just to name a few. And, you know, it's guys like Adam Peters who, who really look at the talent, evaluate the talent and, and tell us who we should take and, and bring the talent to the Niners. So big shout out to him. Uh, Rand Car- Carthen as well. He, he's done a great job with us and you know they're they're getting looks from the Giants and the Bears and big opportunities for them and of course offensive coordinator Mike McDaniels getting a look from the Dolphins you know big news for Niners family Niners faithful and, and you know I, I just really hope that they do the best and I hope they do get the jobs as much as it pains to lose them you know it, big kudos to them and uh, they deserve to move on and you know get that success. I mean, Jesus, without Adam Peters, I don't know where we would be because John Lynch in drafting hasn't exactly been the best. But what Adam Peters has done has really, really helped John Lynch, a guy that, you know, obviously didn't have much experience coming in as general manager. Adam Peters has done wonders to our organization. Um, Wherever he does go, I do have a feeling he will get. If he doesn't, I'd be shocked because of how well he's done helping putting together this 49ers roster and there are teams that need it i'll tell you what that new york giants organization boy as hell do they need someone running that team properly and i'm glad they finally had the balls to fire joe judge because the giants need to get this one right they're a disaster the bears might not be a bad spot either because the bears actually have some talent they i feel like they just need the right coach in there to get things and then minnesota is another one that's interesting because minnesota we were talking about this before they got a lot of talent in there. So that yep. I thought was very strange. The Zimmer thing, I think we all kind of saw coming. But the GM, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, this is not it's, This is not a bad. This is a roster that is Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. Like, this is not a bad roster that you're inheriting. So I'm a little shocked about that one. But I definitely would, would think Adam Peters gets a job somewhere. And if he does, man, you know I wish the absolute best of luck to him. And if any of our fellow Niners uh, coaches or GM guys leave for another job, I I think they'll do great. And Osala and LaFleur didn't have the best of luck this year with the Jets, but I think we all kind of expected that. I would expect them to take a little bit more of a jump next year. But um, the Jets say, man, they still beat Tennessee and the Bengals this year. So I think they're just trending in the right direction. But the Jets, I mean, (laughs) that was a really tough Really, really tough job to take on that Sala did. So I'm sure next year will be much, much better for them. This year was a little more expected, but we'll see what happens um, there. And another thing to point out, too, is, hey, the Niners, t- look, we we played both number one seeds this year and barely lost, right? We played the mm-hmm. Packers earlier in the year. We barely lost. We played the Titans right down to the wire and barely lost. I, I truly do feel like we could play with anyone, and it starts on Sunday against the Cowboys. Hey, once you're in, man, anything can happen. And that's why we love the NFL playoffs. So hoping the Niners can make something happen, but we'll see. But faithful until then, enjoy wildcard weekend. I know Dallas is going to be another red. Faithful is going to be all over. See a red in, at AT&T Stadium. It's going to be the, the faithful takeover at Jerry World. Get in there. Get your tickets. Get into Dallas. Get loud. We're going to need it. 
Niners Cowboys on Sunday. Cannot wait, but in t- but enjoy Wild Card Weekend, and we will talk to y'all next week. And of course, don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 49er Way podcast. Keep it locked. Stay tuned. We got a lot more 49ers content coming your way. And don't forget to give the 49er Way a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis.